Right, well, we are starting a new series this morning. Um, <laughs> um, just before I do, uh, someone just shared with me a picture, which I thought would be, an, I think isn't going to be an encouragement. Um, that they just, while we were worshipping and praying a few moments ago and speaking about Alan's trainers, um, just had this picture that God is looking down, and as he looks down, um, this individual felt it was them, but I, I think we can include all of us in this, was that we look pretty mucky. But as God looked through, he was, he was looking through the, like a filter lens, a colored filter, and that was Jesus. And that the colored filter filtered out all the stains. And what my, my mind straight away went to, uh, I'm going to show my, um, my worldliness now. Has anyone seen on social media that toothpaste stuff? It's like a purple toothpaste that you put over your teeth and the purple makes you yellow. You, you nearly bought it. You nearly succumbed to the TikTok craze. Because you're out of coffee, yeah. So it's like a purple toothpaste that you put on your teeth and it makes the yellow go white. And that's what Myra was reminded of as this person was showing, that there's this colored filter that God is looking through. And Jesus is that, that colored filter that actually removes all of the stains. So as God is looking at you right now, he sees you as spotless. Isn't that powerful? A love of God that goes beyond understanding. So I hope that's encouraged you. Um, and we're going to be diving into, so if you've got a Bible, First uh, John is where we're going to be. So you can go to the end of your Bible, Revelation, and then jump back a few. I'm tr- uh, I should have planned this. So now I'm testing my Bible knowledge. I think it's Jude. There might be another one. And then it's 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John. I don't think there is, actually. I think it's Jude, and then 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John. So jump to the end of your Bibles and work backwards a little bit. Um, and we're going to be in 1st John for the next few weeks because, um, as Ian was saying earlier on, we've, we've got some values as a church and for those that are part of our church, you'll know that, uh, in fact, this afternoon, we're, we're, re- we're starting another cohort, another year of the School of Formation, where we're going to journey together about what it looks like to follow Jesus tangibly and practically through our lives. And so as a church, um, we've got this rhythm of life, which is based around four directions, up, in, out, and down. So our relationship with God being the up, our relationship with each other being the in, our relationship with the lost being the out, and down being that, that, that need within us for rest. And so as we unpack that more this year about what it looks like to follow Jesus as those of us that are OCC, we just wanted to start in 1 John because uh, so much is summed up in 1 John of the up and the in relationships that we have. And John is addressing so much of that. So let me just read to you 1 John, and I'm only going to read four verses. We're not going to do a verse by verse, okay? So we're going to pick out some of the key stuff that we we want to from this book and make sure we sum it up, but what we sense God is speaking into. So for those of you that were here last week when we spoke into Song of Songs 2, we're going to be pulling some of that out, and and some of this uh, through 1 John is, is the primary call of our relationship with God and how that's worked out in our relationship with each other. So let me read to you. First uh, John, verse 1, says, What was from the beginning, what we have heard and what we've seen with our eyes, what we observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, that life was revealed and we have seen it and testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What you have seen and heard we also declare to you so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Okay, let's pray. Father, I want to thank you that 
first and foremost, that you, you look through the lens of your son and you see us, frankly, in a state that we don't deserve to be seen in. And yet that's how you see us this morning. For those of us that declare Jesus as Lord of our life, there is there's a completely different view. God, I thank you that as we sit here this morning, that we are loved, accepted, forgiven, chosen children of God. And so God, I pray right now as we gather around your word, Lord, will you speak to us in a way that goes beyond my ability to speak? Speak to each one of us right where we're at, in the depth of our soul, so we would know that as we leave this place this morning, we have had an encounter with you. And I pray that our hearts would be such that we're willing to be transformed by you for your glory. And the timer starts now. Amen. So I just said, if, if timer doesn't start until I say amen. So I've just said amen. So now the three-hour preach starts now. Uh, I wonder, have you ever been around someone that's direct and blunt? Do you have those sort of people in your life? <laughs> if it's the person next to you, don't say yes too loudly. Yes, <laughs> darling. <laughs> I, I've had people like that in my life. Sometimes it's nicer when it's like they're, they're being blunt and direct about somebody else and you can just stand back and watch and laugh. But when they're blunt and direct about you, it's a little bit more awkward, isn't it? But I've had people like that in my life. Some relatives were in my life where they would just say as it is. And it's just, it's a little bit challenging, isn't it? Um, and and I, I don't think it comes with this, but this person in my life was um, somebody who was a bit more advanced in years. Um, and, and they, it's almost like they Given, given up caring. I don't care what people think of me. I'm just going to say it as it is. Um, and, and if you've encountered that kind of person, then you are going to understand the book of 1 John. Because John is pretty direct. He is, he is not going to pull any punches. He's not beating around the bush. He is just going to say it straight away as it is. Because John is um, advanced in years at this stage. And he is writing, well, they believe either it was a circular letter that they're writing to the churches of Asia Minor, or it's a sermon. And, and so he, he's, he's, he's written this letter, or he's prepared this sermon, and people are engaging with it. And um, he's advanced in years, and he's writing out in where he's living in Ephesus. And, I mean, you know he's going to be direct because he doesn't even introduce himself. So Paul, if you read the writings of Paul, he will say, Paul, an apostle, and, and he gives a little bit of a background of who he is. John, he just starts, what was from the beginning, and what was heard, and what we've seen with our own eyes, and what we like, whoa, hang on, John, slow down a minute, who are you? Who's this from? What, what, what's, what, 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 can you give a little bit of an introduction as to where we're going to go, what we're going to talk about? No, he's straight in there. And it's like John is saying, now either John is saying, I'm old, and I ain't got time to faff about. So I'm just going to say it as it is. I wonder if there's something more going on, though. I wonder if there's something else going on in the sense of urgency that John has where he gets straight to the point. Because John is writing to a church that is dividing. The church is splitting. And there's people that are leaving the church. And they're not leaving the church because um, the, the enticement of the world. It's not like the nightclubs and the, and the drink and the rock and roll life or whatever it was at the time in Asia Minor. It probably wasn't nightclubs, but whatever it was at the time. It's not that that's pulling people away. And it's not even that they're losing their faith in Jesus. Actually, what's pulling people away is that there was this school of thought at the time that like the love and the grace and the, the forgiveness of Jesus, that's like the primary school stuff. That's like what you get when you're first saved. But then you graduate beyond that. 
And there's a deeper truth to be understood. And this deeper truth is around angels and visions and dreams. Amazing things. Supernatural things. Great things. But people were dividing and splitting because they were saying, Jesus, primary school, but we can show you some deeper stuff. There's a deeper knowledge to be understood. And you can graduate and be part of the secondary school if you'd like to be, if you come with us. And John is saying, hang on. Hang on. There's not a deeper truth to be known. Jesus is the truth to be known. And so he's writing to the church And he's saying, don't be tempted to think that you can graduate beyond the love, the grace, and the forgiveness of Jesus and think there's something more. Because it is about Jesus. And he's not going to hold back. As we work through this book, if if you read this letter, he will call those that are splitting the church children of the devil. I mean, say as it is, John. He will call them antichrists. Those that are against Christ. And so he's just saying it as it is, not pulling any punches. And actually, as we read this first few verses, we can pick up the passion of John so tangibly. I'm having a photo taken. Can you just wait? Can I, if you let me just extend the chin, then there'll only be one. Thanks. And what we see is, if we read this in the original language, we'll see that that there's passion in what John is writing. Because actually, the first three verses are all one long sentence. So there's no punctuation, and it's just just John going for it straight away. So I'm going to read it as John has written it, and I'll try and do it in one breath. Because this is the passion that John is writing. So he says this. What was from the beginning, what was heard, what had been seen with our eyes, what we observed and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, that life was revealed and we have seen it and we testify and declare that eternal life was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we also declare to you. Oh, I took a breath. So that we may have fellowship with us and indeed fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. There is passion in what John is saying. And he's saying in this, it's all about Jesus. That's what he's getting at. For those of you that are observant, you'll notice the way he, he starts this letter and the way he starts his gospel. The jo- John's gospel starts with, in the beginning was the word. He's talking about Jesus. He uses the, the, I won't go into that. He's, he's talking about Jesus. He's saying, in the beginning was Jesus. And here he says, what was from the beginning? It's Jesus. Don't be tempted to try and think there's something more that we need to discover. It's about Jesus. In the beginning. It's a good place to start, isn't it? Remember, these people were deserting the church over some new teaching around spiritual encounters, dreams, and visions. And John is saying, guys, he was there in the beginning. It is all about Jesus. And actually, what John is saying in these verses is just about an encounter with Jesus. Because he says, what I have seen, what I have heard, what I have touched, these are like tangible words, aren't they? They're encounter words. They're words where we can see that John is the one that knew Jesus. I've seen him. I I saw him bend down and write in the dirt. I saw him heal the blind. I saw him take uh, those that were prisoners and set them free. I, I heard him speak to those that claimed they knew God but were judging everybody else. I touched the scarred hands I've had an encounter with Jesus. I have heard him, I've seen him, I've touched him. John had an experience of Jesus, and that experience kept him for life. 
Yeah, what we have is people pulling away from the church to say, I need something more. Now, there's nothing wrong with a hunger for knowledge, but not at the extent, not at the exclusion of experiencing Jesus. And that's why for us in the rhythm of life that we have, the up relationship that we have with God is paramount to everything we do. That we will be a people that prioritize a relationship with God. And it's not a relationship, and hear what I'm saying here, I'm not devaluing the, the hunger for knowledge. It's great that we understand more. It's fantastic, and it's how some of us engage with God, because we're that kind of learner, and it, it, it's great to extend our knowledge, but not at the extent of saying, I've got that little thing where I now feel like I know more about God, but am I actually encountering him? Do I have a relationship with him? Am I close to him? And I wonder if with the, the amount of stuff that the church offers now, you can go online and you can find a talk by anybody on anything. You can read a book by anybody on anything. And I wonder if this volume of information that we have, what we've done as a church is we've, 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 we've taken information about God and we've substituted that with being with him. And so we feel great when we go away and we've got a new little bit of knowledge about something or the roots of this or the study of that. And I'm not knocking, it's great. But it doesn't substitute us just being in the presence of Jesus. That's why as a church, we prioritize time of being with Jesus when we're singing together and we're worshiping him and we're encountering him. We don't just go, guys, are we going to rock it on a little bit longer this morning just because let's waste some time because we've got this building so we may as well use it. No, no, no. We're going, God, do you want to meet with us this morning? If you do, then we're going, to keep, we're going to keep seeking you. And we're going to keep inviting you. Because it's about an encounter with Jesus. What we'll notice with John is that he's not busy trying to explain Jesus. He allows his encounter to proclaim Jesus. Now, I had a friend called Simon. I say had a friend. He was a... a, a um, companion in ministry. He was the same age as me. His kids were the same age as my kids. And a few years ago, sadly, he died of cancer. Um, and it was devastating. I, 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 we were praying that he would be healed. And, um, you know, it's one of those journeys where you just got to kind of go, God, I don't understand it because he was taking that church and it was, it was doing amazing things. And it, was, it, it rocked me and it challenged me and I struggled. And, um, you know, if, if I'd said to you, you've never met Simon. Some of you may have done, but I, I don't think anyone in the room has met Simon. Um, so you can't physically see him because he's not here anymore. So you can meet him in eternity, but you, you can't meet him right now. And so if I was to try and say to you, like, Simon was just so real to me. It's like, uh, um, so you've never met him, but um, he, he lived and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, uh, he, he, was, he was a good dad. And, uh, and I'm trying to defend that he actually existed because you, you don't know that he existed. You're just taking my word for it. So, and, and he was like this high and he had dark hair. He loved Formula One um, and, and coffee and cycling. And, and he, was, he was a good guy. And I went on mission trips with him. And, and I'm, I'm trying to explain him to try and make you believe in that he actually existed. I'm, I think you probably sit there and go, I mean, great, you had a friendship with him. I kind of hope that you did know him. I hope that he was real to you. But it doesn't convince you that he was real. You just got to take my word for it. John is not wasting time explaining that Jesus was real. Either accept it or don't. Grandpa John is kind of saying, I'm way advanced in years to be trying to convince you that Jesus was real. 
I saw him, I touched him, I heard him, I had an encounter with him. And I think we can be so busy sometimes feeling the need to explain God that actually if we spent some time in his presence, our life would proclaim him because we have an encounter with him. And something happens when we're in that space with him that is beyond our ability. And we feel the need to have the answers to a, a world that's asking questions. And they don't need an explanation of Jesus. They need an encounter with Jesus. And they need the people of God that have been in the presence of God to go and encounter them. And like we were speaking a few weeks ago, the aroma of Christ. And that aroma doesn't just happen by us knowing more stuff about him. It happens by being in his presence and saying, you know what, we're going to be a people that prioritize the up relationship with him. Verse 2, it says... My bookmark fell out. So now I've got to find one John, so I feel your pain. That life, Jesus, was revealed, and we have seen it. We testify, declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. John is proclaiming because he knew Jesus. We don't get to know Jesus, then the best the world will get is an explanation, but they're craving experience. Maybe, maybe you're kind of going, I don't know how I've experienced Jesus, and maybe you just need to spend some time and just reflect on your own life of moments when you've experienced Jesus, because he is desiring that we encounter him. Um, we read throughout Scripture, so many people think, and I, let me just give you a little pet peeve of mine, when people say the Bible, it's the basic instructions before leaving earth. You know that acronym? I mean, great, but rubbish. Utter rubbish. Because this is not a manual for moral living. It's proof that God wants to have a relationship with us. All the way through this is God's desire to have a relationship with humanity. That's what oozes out of these pages. At every cost to him, I want to have a relationship with humanity. And I want to be experienced and so maybe asking yourself this week, how have you experienced, how have I experienced Jesus? But then do you know what? It's not just a one-time experience. Some of us are living off experiences from generations past and God's saying, I've got some fresh stuff for you. I want to encounter you now in this moment. So how do we continue to experience Jesus? And we're going to send out our newsletter this week. So those of you that are part of our email newsletter, we're going to send you some, some tools and some ways that we can engage and encounter God uh, in our own walk and together in community. So um, let's move on. Verse 3 says, What we have seen, what we've heard, we also declare to you. I told you John is going to repeat himself. Do you notice he's just repeating himself? He's saying, again, what we have seen, what we've heard, we also declare to you so that... You may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father. So he's now going to say, this is why. So we have this relationship with God. We've had this experience of Jesus. We've touched him. We've seen him. We've encountered him. So that. And I read that, and I kind of paused at that moment. And I'm thinking, right, this is John writing. If you, if you know John, if you know the Bible, John was the one that called himself the Beloved. He's the one that saw himself as Jesus' best friend. I mean, it's a great title to give yourself, isn't it? Not sure if everybody else thinks that, but I feel this. But that such was the relationship that he had with Jesus, that Jesus desired to be encountered, that one of his disciples was like, I feel like his favorite. I wonder if they all felt that. It's just John wrote it down. 
I feel like his favorite. So I'm reading that, I'm going, right, this is John, so it's beloved. A lot of John's writing is about love. So I'm thinking, so that you'll encounter the love of Jesus. It's going to be something about the love. That's what it's going to be. What does he actually say? So that you two may have fellowship with us. What? So all of that, encountering God, knowing Jesus, tangibly experiencing him, so you can have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father. What? The best friend of Jesus just just summed up his encounter and the definition of the Christian faith. How? Fellowship. Fellowship. Relationship. With God, yes. But with each other. It's interesting, isn't it? John says, you've had this encounter with God. I know him. I've seen Jesus. The outpouring of that and the way that works out in my life is through fellowship, not feelings. That really convicts me. Because how much of my life and my faith is defined more by feelings than fellowship? Now, I'm not, I'm, this, John is getting provocative, so don't shoot me. I'm just the messenger. If you want to take it up with anybody, take it up with John. Because he's inspired by the Spirit, is writing this. So you can do that in your own time. I don't need emails. <laughs> fellowship, not feel. How often do I go, do you know what? And let me be, I, can I, I feel like I can be honest. I'm a pastor, and there's sometimes that I go, oh, I can't be bothered. Not tonight, not today. I just want to stay home and binge watch Netflix. I feel like that's going to give me more life than being... You know? (laughs) You can fill it in. Because you all feel it too. Don't judge me. Don't sit there judging me when you've all felt it too. Do you know that feeling? Like, oh, just can't be bothered. Another prayer meeting. Another mission... No, I love my mission household, so I never think that. (laughs) But we do, we feel those things, don't we, around fellowship? And it's like, I just, I can't be bothered. But, but John is saying, we've experienced Jesus, and actually the outflow of that is not feelings. How often do I allow feelings to shape? I'm not going to do this because I don't feel like it. I am going to do that because I feel like it. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to stop doing that because of feelings. And John says it's about fellowship. The reason John is writing this letter is fellowship with God that shapes the fellowship we have with each other, the community of believers. That when you accept Jesus, for those in the room that have accepted Jesus, in that moment we are welcomed into the worldwide family of God and that is expressed through a local expression of God's people in a time and space and place. It's called fellowship. And actually the the word that John uses here is koinonia. And it actually means to have things in common. And it was two things that that were seen as having in common. Your life. You would have your life in common. So family were your koinonia. The the people that you lived around were koinonia. Because your your life brushed up against them. The mess-ups, the hang-ups. You knew each other. So life was was close. Your koinonia. But it was also that you had a shared job. You had that in common. So that was another koinonia. Now, that's not to say we all need to be pastors or electricians or work in a HR department. We all need to have the same job. We've all got the same mission. We've been appointed by God to say, now go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, proclaiming me. Not having to explain me, proclaim me. 
And so we actually have a shared job. And so the call of the koinonia of the church, of those of us that have something in common, is that we would say, do you know what, I'm going to let my life rub up against other people. Not just in the formal gatherings. And you'll know that as a church, this is what we're doing with missional households. As we eat together and we do life together. But actually we allow people into our life. Which is a really risky thing. And actually it's kind of anti-British culture. Where we shut the door and block the world out. But actually to be a people that say we're going to have our lives in common. But we're also going to have the job in common. We're going to have the mission in common. Which is to reach the lost with the love of that we've encountered, that we've experienced. That's why fellowship is so important. And the reason John says fellowship is so important is because this horizontal fellowship is invaded by the vertical fellowship. What does he say? He says, so that you may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So this is horizontal fellowship, but then it's invaded by the vertical fellowship, and it's all interlocked. It's not that we've got this private walk with Jesus, we've got a great vertical relationship, and then we've got church. It all interconnects and invades with itself, which is why oftentimes when you've kind of gone, you know what, I can't be bothered today, but when we actually do spend time with each other, we go away going, wow, I'm so glad I did that. Have you had that? Because something of God's presence is in that moment. It's not just a coincidence, it's God. And we could be going, do you know what? I just came out to have coffee and I'm sat here in whatever chain of coffee that you like, as long as it's not Costa, because that's just warm milk. Um, <laughs> that's not being recorded, is it? But we do get sponsored. So if you want to go to any local, you know, I'm, I'm sponsored by uh, Boston Tea Party. No, I'm not really. <laughs> um, what was I saying? We can, go to a, we can go out for coffee and we can just be meeting with each other. And suddenly in that moment, it's like, wow, he's here. And we're in the middle of a coffee shop. That's, that I, I like feel life and I feel great. And, and it feels like God is saying something. And, and we haven't even, it's not even a Sunday morning and there's not even a minor Holy Spirit key being played by Ben on the piano. And we suddenly realize that actually the horizontal relationship and the vertical relationship, they're all connected. And one strengthens the other and the other strengthens the other. So when you're feeling like this, maybe like we were sharing this morning, it's like my soul is downcast, that actually we come into fellowship with each other and somebody else can say, come on, let me get down in the dirt with you. Let me sit alongside you. Because God is. And so our fellowship is so significant as we spend time with each other in the presence of God. See, this community is not just about a shared experience, about private and personal walk with Jesus. It's a fellowship that we have that spills out in the horizontal and the vertical, and it invades all things. And suddenly, there's moments where we're with each other and we counter Jesus. Guys, for the sake of time, I was going to invite us just to get back into small groups, but um, what I'd like is just the questions to come up. And if you want to just take a, a, a photo of that, um, uh, yeah, that one. Then um, maybe in missional households this week, that'll give you an opportunity to speak into some of that or in, uh, maybe an opportunity to um, answer the third question and actually do something and meet up with some guys and just say, let's answer this question. Um. So what was from the beginning? What we've heard, what we've seen with our eyes, what we have observed and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, that life was revealed and we have seen it and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard we also declare to you so that you may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. 
We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. I don't know about you, but I, I read that and I'm like, John, is that just Bible talk or is that real? Complete joy. That your joy may be complete. I think John is writing this and he's writing it from an experience. And I think he's saying, I'm, in, I, I, I'm advanced in years and I'm putting pen to paper. You're, you're dividing the church. You're going out thinking there's more stuff that we need to learn more things uh, that we can encounter. But actually, my joy has been filled by the very one that I have encountered. Joy, complete joy. Is that your experience? As you sit there right now, do you feel like you are filled with complete joy? Like it's full, overflowing? I, I watch a Netflix series and it finishes and I feel like my life is hollow. You know, when am I going to get that next? When's, when's my life going to be filled with something as amazing as Fool Me Once? For those that have watched it on Netflix, it's pretty good. But I had, like, end of series void in my life when that series finished, and I binge-watched it in, like, two days. But it's not going to fill my life. Not like the way that John says, his encounter with Jesus so I'm reading Psalm 42 this morning, and it's like my soul longs uh, for God like, this, like the deer pants for water. And I'm just praying for myself, God, will you give me a greater hunger for you? Because I know that actually the fullness of joy can only be found in you. And I, I stand here and I'm going, I'm not sure that's my experience right now. Fullness, complete joy. But I know that's what you want for me. And I look for it in all these other places. But I know that you're the only one that can give it. And actually, John is quoting Jesus in this passage. Because in John 15, another passage, if you read John 15, it's about relationship. And he actually, Jesus goes on, and John will have heard Jesus saying this. And Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full, may be complete. Jesus is saying this. Jesus experienced joy, and he wants to share that joy so that our joy may be full. And he says, this is my command, that, I, that you love one another as I have loved you. I've got joy. I want to share it with you. Love one another. Have fellowship. Have relationship. Be with me. Starts off with I'm the vine, you're the branches. Be in relationship with me. But then there's something about the significance of fellowship with each other. Is your life defined by the fullness of joy? I think John is insinuating at the end of his life that that is his experience. And this is what the church is about. This is why we emphasize the up rhythm and the in rhythm of our, of our church, because it's about a relationship with God and a relationship with each other. And actually, there's a fullness of joy that's to be found in that space. Ben, Vicky, will you come up and lull these beautiful people into thinking I'm nearly finished? No, I am. I am. I promise you I am. I felt a bit mischievous this morning. I think, Sally Ann, you're picking up on it, aren't you? I've not preached for a while, so I'm just getting going again. <laughs> See, this church does not exist for me or Ian or anyone else to stand here for 40 minutes and try and impress you with how much stuff we've got to say. My primary role is not to gain more information to impart that to you. It's so we would collectively be a people that experience Jesus together. It's not so we become more moral learning more stuff about Jesus. 
We've got to encounter him and experience him. We exist to be in relationship with him, relationship with each other. And out of that, the lost look in and see something and are like, I want that. I was with somebody yesterday. Oh, nice. That was a very uh, opportune moment. I was with somebody yesterday and um, a very intellectual person. And they were speaking about, like, I've tried all the different religions and I've tried, like, going to church and just nothing's clicked. Um, and so very intellectual, so we were having a great conversation about something new that's just been discovered in space. And uh, uh, it was a great conversation. And I just, I, I just stopped and I was listening to him and I was just asking God, will you just, just like, speak to me about how I can speak to this guy? And this, this, I've been working on this sermon. And I just started talking to him about the experience I'd had with Jesus. And he just couldn't speak. And he just sat there and he went, I long for that. I've not got that. And he'd been through some rough stuff in life. Young guy. Early 20s. And he said, I I don't feel like I've had anything like that through the stuff I've been through. And I just started sharing my encounter with Jesus. Did I lead him to Jesus in that moment? No. Have I left the door open? Yeah, it's wide open and hopefully we'll connect again and we'll be able to chat. But the intellectual guy suddenly was confronted with an experience of Jesus. What would it look like if we prioritize experiencing and encountering Jesus? And out of that, there's a regular fellowship with each other. That we have Jesus' love in common and our lives in common and the stuff that we do in common. I wonder if we can put God's word to the test and see whether there's some joy in there. Complete joy. See, our joy is not complete by doing Christian things. Although obedience to his word is part of it. Our joy is not complete by giving intellectual assent to a set of doctrines, although believing right things is really important. Our joy is not complete by striving to stick to a moral code, although living as Jesus calls us to live is really, really important. Your joy is complete by experiencing him, seeing him, hearing him, touching him, seeing Jesus alongside others in fellowship with each other for the sake of the lost. And as we start this year, that's the priority. Fellowship with God, fellowship with each other. And we've got some values around that that we'll unpack. Let's just close our eyes. Maybe you're with somebody right now that you know really well. Maybe you're sat next to somebody that you don't know very well. I want to ask you just now, just pray for them. Just pray for the person next to you. You can put a hand on them if you want to. You can make it an out loud prayer if you want it to be. But if you just want to pray quietly for them, that's absolutely fine. But every single person in this room right now is being prayed for. Every single person. God, as we speak to you right now, help us to know you. 
as we know that we speak right now to a God who hears and sees. Help us to hear you and see you. We want to encounter you in 2024 like never before. God, as we pray for each other, I pray that the the bonds of fellowship in this church would be strengthened over this coming year. As we step into the adventure of following you, let the, the lives that we have become more in common with each other let the, the task that we've got before us become even more clear God we don't want to just be a people who talk people who think about doing some great stuff, who've got some great plans and strategies about what it looks like to be in fellowship with each other and be in fellowship with you and reach the lost. Lord, I pray that we people that actually do that. So stir creativity in this place, another one of our values, stir creativity in this place about how we can engage with each other, engage with you and deepen that fellowship.